Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening. Um, So we are in the studio. We as in me and the animals. Ellen is in the woods of North Carolina. I think you got a couple of turkeys out there too, don't you? Oh, we've got a lot of turkeys, yes. Yeah. Turkeys, Have donkeys, you... horses, coyotes. <laughs> donkeys? Yeah, a lot of people have donkeys to keep the coyotes away from the livestock. Oh, wait, I, I, never knew that, I never knew that that was uh, yeah, that's something their job. to do. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. And they're actually really interesting animals. They're, they're, well, they can bite you, but they're usually pretty sweet. They like carrots and stuff. Yeah, you don't have any on your on your mother's property, do you? No, but just down at the end of her driveway is somebody that's got horses and they've got donkeys. And then there's a lady that's got miniature ponies and she's got donkeys because at night we can hear the coyotes howling. Oh, so the now too. So will will they'll go after the horses and the donkeys protect the horses? Yes. Oh wow. Huh. It's it's very interesting. So there are a lot of donkeys up here now. And apparently they reintroduced deer yep. kind of up the road. So we're seeing a lot of deer, you know, with the fawns. I actually saw some with spots yesterday on the way to church, and I had never seen that before. Oh, like you mean yeah, like Bambi? The grown ones. Yeah, the babies. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, it's country. You know, the... Um the the thing you just said about deer, I was reading an article today. I don't know what it had to have been on social media somewhere about the they're getting overrun in a specific place in like Pennsylvania, and yeah. they do like I don't want to say I'm not using the right word, but they do like a purge every so many years, and they give like three times as many licenses because they need to, oh, cull. I think they cull the herd is what they call, call the it. Cull the herd, yeah. Because they're, because they're like in town eating garbage and all of that stuff. So they have to kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's a sad way. Why? I mean, why can't they relocate them? But I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I, I, I shot a squirrel once when I was a kid and I was horrified for years. I bet. I bet. My brothers did that too. Now they won't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a kid thing, but yeah, I can't imagine hunting, killing animals like that. But people do. No, I mean, yeah, no, people do, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have an opinion on that because I'm sure that I do things that, you know, I don't care about other people's opinions. So if somebody wants to hunt and they're using it for all practical purposes, then so be it. I, I don't have a problem with that. If you're hunting for sport and leaving, if you're hunting for sport and leaving it there to to rot, then yeah, that that's not cool. But yeah, I'm I'm not a fan, but whatever, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. So uh, you know, I was like when I was looking at all of this stuff, um, I saw this article as well. It said in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a type of Narcan resistant fentanyl is oh, wow. has been found. In batches, in batches of heroin, in already causing numerous overdoses and death. Apparently, it's hundreds of times more powerful than morphine and called 
acyl fentanyl, A-C-Y-L, acyl fentanyl. There is a, there is a, yeah, there is a distinct difference between fentanyl and, and uh, carfentanyl and this. I guess this is made in, it, it's synthetically made in China. I was going to say that sounds like something that's coming from China, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh. So that's probably so, going to start proliferating around the country. Well, sadly, and now, and now, I mean, it's bad enough that we have introduced fentanyl to um, our heroin use, or even you know, substituting fent- uh, heroin for fentanyl. Now we have something that you can't come back from. Not, not you know what I mean. Not, not even fully knowing. What you're ingesting, you think you're doing heroin or whatever, and hopefully, you know, not saying that you're anticipating going out and being revived, but this stuff won't even take you back. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a when you when you say it when you say it in words, it's kind of like a, uh, um, I don't know, like. When I when I actively was using heroin, the furthest thought from my mind was going out. Fortunately enough, when I went out, they had Narcan to bring me back. These kids today don't have that option because they, because it's something synthetic that's going to take them out. That is just that's really scary, and I'll, you know you got right. to wonder who in a chemistry lab thought that up. Or, or even why, why, like, yeah, why, yeah, because there's no, there's no medicinal use for it. I mean, uh, that that I would know. I mean, why would they? What what would be the reason for that? Because all of the opioids that are used don't have synthetic fentanyl in them. Yeah, I don't know. I I just um yeah. I'm having a hard time even imagining how that could how that could happen, but obviously it has. Yeah, and that's the reality of it, you know, that if you're out there and you're still running around like a nut, for lack of a better way to put it, um, you, you need to pull an awareness. And if there's anything motivating out there, it's all of the gotchas that are, that, that are getting worse by the day. And I remember when I stopped using um, and they told me it will only get worse and I never really fully understood what they meant until I saw people that had a little bit of clean time and they went back out and their lives got worse. Yeah. But the drug itself wasn't the reason. It was the motivator. And now the drug itself is is the reason. It, it, it gets worse and the drugs are getting worse. The drugs are getting worse. That's the whole problem. Yeah. You know, People are chewing each other's faces off. From here, now it's now it's uh, stuff that's being imported that nobody even knows what it is until it's too late. Right, and it says, but but you know the the the, the strange thing about this whole thing is is that it says there are seventy two thousand opioid deaths per year, and that that you know brings a serious bang awareness. Oh, I thought it was now, a lot higher than that. I thought it was. Uh, well, like I'm just using that. 
Uh, well, I'm using I'm using that number because that's what the article said from the it's yeah. probably just from you know two years ago or whatever. Eighty-eight thousand alcohol-related deaths. Yeah, I saw an article about that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and, it, and it, it quoted eighty-eight thousand alcohol-related deaths, and there are people who are now saying, you know, I guess the tax on alcohol was reduced, but they are, you know, they're saying we did it with cigarettes. You know, mm-hmm. we, we stopped advertising, we taxed them to death, we've put information everywhere about the dangers of smoking, you know, to the point where smokers are completely ostracized, but we haven't done that with alcohol, which is killing more people. And yeah, I, I, I mean, well, I mean... It, I, it is so you know. socially acceptable right now, and they said particularly among the, you know, upper, middle and upper classes, that, you know, it's... And it causes violence, you know, mm-hmm. people get violent, beat each other up, shoot people, and a lot of that happens while they're drinking. Not only that, but, you know, the drunk driving, all of it. Right, but you have to add all that into this, to the statistic as well. If you're an innocent bystander walking down the street and you get mowed over by a car, that's an alcohol-related death if, if it was a DUI. So, you know, it may not be as prevalent I mean, I'm sure the number is still high of somebody who ultimately just drinks themselves to death and their system shuts down. A lot of the alcohol-related, when they say related, you know, half of that number could be um, just people in the yeah, way the of an alcoholic. You get, yeah, yeah it, true. But they, they it also mentioned binge drinkers. Apparently there are a lot of mm-hmm. deaths due to binge drinking. And you get that, you know, you, we've seen that with the college students. You know, the fraternity. Yes. There were several yep, yep. alcohol poisoning deaths or, you know, alcohol related, you know, like falling down the stairs and things like that in yeah. fraternities around the country. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen any um, at the beginning of this year, but I do remember some last year and the year prior. Right. Um, so. And, that, you know, that's people that are, you know, underage and shouldn't. You know, why right. is alcohol on campuses at all? Right, and this, and that could be their first experience with alcohol at all. And, you know, I I don't know. You know, the, what you need to just be a, fully aware of your environment and fully aware of what your family is, is up to in, in situations like that. Well, you know, um, education is, we need to have conversation, never mind education, you know, with our, with our children when they are young enough to understand, but still innocent enough to believe that it's wrong. I, I, you know, we all know, and we've all spoke to a child who, while we are saying something, you can tell in their eyes that they are believing what you are saying 110%. And I think that's when we need to put in these children's minds of all of the heartache, headache, and misery that they are going to bring to themselves and everybody that they love if they choose to use. But if you've got mom and dad drinking a cocktail every night, you know, it's kind of hard to t- say, oh, don't do this. Oh, this is true. doing it. And, yeah. and I think, you know, the social acceptability of drinking is what the, you know, what this article was, was like, why? Why? Why is it socially acceptable? It's, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. It kills people all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Well, crazy enough, stuff. crazy enough, in, in our society today, it's almost socially acceptable to take pills and, you know what I mean? It's, oh, yeah. It's, we've lost something. We've lost the gate. We've opened the gate and, man, this, this flood well, is I mean, not. You can still label someone who can't handle alcohol an alcoholic and it's still a derisive term. You know, oh, well, she's an alcoholic. So, you know, ergo, a terrible person. But, you know, beyond that, there are a lot of people who would not label themselves alcoholics who have a couple of drinks every night. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think I think that's a, um, that can be used as a term of endearment as well. You know what I mean? Which is which is kind of, you know, a, a slippery, slippery slope in, the, in that aspect that, you know, like I remember – laughing at friends and calling them alcoholics and and yeah. it was a a fun term at that point it was quote unquote um well, normal it was behavior a cool term yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, and it's cool that you drink so much that's dangerous it's very dangerous it's yeah. very dangerous and i i don't think there's enough discussion about how bad it is and and you know I liked the cigarette analogy because it went from everybody's house was full of ashtrays, whether anyone smoked in the house or not, because the guest might show up that smoked. Right. So you can't smoke anywhere. You can't smoke in public places. You can't smoke in hospitals. I mean, you used to could sit in a hospital room and light up. Yeah, so but you know, the, also remember, if you remember the the bars and restaurants and all of that stuff, they were in a severe panic when they said you can't smoke within the confines of their building. And they thought they were going to lose their businesses. And ultimately they didn't. If you do that with alcohol, these places absolutely will shut down. Oh yeah, they definitely would. They de- yeah, I mean, so- there would be a huge amount of money lost. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there would still be establishments that, um, would be able to exist, but it would just, you know, you can't change that mindset. We've, we've okayed that behavior and that, um, spirit for so long. Um, it, it would be tough to readjust with cigarettes. It was easy. We'll just pull all the, we'll pull all the, uh, cigarette machines out of all the bars and we'll tell them that they can't smoke. They got to go outside, which people still do now that we'll give them a smoking area. And it's usually right in front of the door. So everybody who doesn't smoke has to walk through it. And, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, to, but to yeah, but readjust they, they don't advertise, they do tax the heck out of it. And I don't think as many people smoke as used to. Yeah, we you would know, have to and get it, that. It, was, it didn't happen quickly. It was gradual. Yeah, I mean, we would I have to get those numbers. In the office, when my phone rang, I lit a cigarette, and then I started. I picked it up. Yeah, you're still smoking now, right? Yeah, I'm still smoking. <laughs> 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 but I'm, like- I, I'm, I'm socially conscious of it, and I don't do it around people that it will offend. Right? And, you know, I, it's not like it's getting me out of my mind. That's that's the difference. What's that? I said it doesn't make me go out of my mind like a drink does. So you know, in some ways, I think alcohol is much more dangerous, and yet well, it is so socially acceptable that no one thinks anything about having a couple of cocktails. No, yeah, it, it is. It's 
couple of cocktails and, and a couple of cigarettes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we you know we, we we can't change years of mindset, but you know the thing is, is that we can, we can change awareness. And I you know I think a lot of people, the majority of people, or at least that I talk to, because they know that I'm I'm clean and and sober, they justify their alcohol use. You know, they just oh I only have a drink or two or this that and the other thing. It didn't happen that way. With cigarettes, you know what I mean? In the sense of if you smoked, you smoked, and there was no outside of, hey, can you get that out of my car or you know, smoking in my car, this, that, the other thing. There was no real horrific need to address why you were smoking. And today, I think the awarenesses are there that it's that it's not I mean it's it's because it's so accepted. They still have to justify it, though, you know, and it's, it's always a funny conversation when someone says to me, well, you know, I usually only have, you know, a beer or I usually only, why are you telling me that? You know, you, you have a little, a little guilty streak in you if you're, if you're telling on yourself. Right. Right. But there, I mean, some people don't feel the need to even justify it's just normal, which Growing up in the Baptist South, I didn't get that. You know, my parents didn't have cocktails. So, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I know a lot of people who did. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think it was more prevalent than maybe just your country block. Because, like, in the, in the city where I lived... Everybody, that's what they would do. They would go after supper. They would go over to the neighbor's house and have a drink or a beer and, you know, shoot the breeze about what happened that day. And they would come back home and tuck the kids in and probably have a few more. And I, and I think, I, I don't necessarily know if it's, if we're in 1960 with our drinking values, I think we have not only progressed that far with our use of use and abuse of drugs, but we also have progressed that far with alcohol, and we don't really look at it. We're going to go to a break right. No, we're going to go to break right now. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. You know, we were talking about uh, alcohol use and abuse and, and how... Uh, how it kind of goes underneath the radar. And I wish I had this article in front of me uh, last week, but when we were talking to David, we, we go all over the place and uh, you know, yeah. I, we never, we never got to it. And this, this article that he wrote, the title, the title is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Is this organization hurting the addiction recovery community? Now, it says, on average, in the United States, the odds of someone drink, quitting drinking today and being sober 12 months from now is about 10%. I'm not going to read into the whole article because I'd rather have him here while we talked about it. But that makes so much sense that people who, who are in treatment today that walk out of treatment into the quote-unquote real world have less of a chance of staying clean and sober than, uh, you know, finding a job. You have a better yeah. chance of finding a job today than you do as, at staying clean and sober. Now, that's a sad state of, uh, a sad, sad state of uh, shape we're in, that the odds are greater stacked against somebody trying to do the right thing versus anything else in life. It, it, and it, it's kind of sad, really. And I think um, with kids, you know, it's what's the first thing you generally do? Get drunk. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you might smoke marijuana, but normally I think they get drunk because the alcohol is in the house. It's easy to right. get Right. And- Yep, and and you know you go back to people, places, and things like they they suggest to stay away from. I mean, you you have to come back out into society where you were that animal just thirty days prior or or less, and you go into 
something that may be less than stellar, the meeting that's in your local neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm not saying the message. I'm not saying the message. I'm just saying that, you know, they say that some people are sicker than others, and we usually congregate in 12-step recovery meetings. Well, and, you know, like you say, the AA meetings, some are better than others. Um, I, I, I think as an organization, the fact that it's been around as long as it has means that there is some value in it. Right. And I would never say don't try a meeting. Actually, I, I advise people to go to meetings. Oh, yeah. You know, even if, even if you don't think you have a problem, just go listen. You might hear something you need to hear, but I do think um, I do think they can be too rigid, too judgmental. But to have an organization, but that see, that's not the that's you know, not the, really in charge. Yeah, but see, that's not the teachings. That's not the the words in a book that are too judgmental. Those are the people that are interpreting people. it. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm saying it could be just as toxic walking into some type of 12-step recovery meeting as it is, you know, going it on your own. And, you know, I, I fortunately enough, where I came from, we were the quote-unquote pioneers of, of Narcotics Anonymous. That's the, that's the program that I chose to, chose to embrace. And there weren't any meetings around, but maybe one every five days so we had to go and chase after them until we ultimately said enough's enough we need to just establish this in our city so we were a very sick bunch of people learning how to interpret what it was that we were reading the 24 spiritual principles of that program and fortunately enough over time Time was very graceful, uh, gracious with us and allowed us to find our way. You go into some places and it may not be as gracious. And there are, you know, what we've both experienced it ourselves here. Yes. And I, I think there's a little too much tough love. You know, a lot of people don't work well with tough love because that's what, you know, that may be part of the reason that they feel the need to get high all the time. You know, they had it so right. much. And, right. I mean, I, you know, I didn't. I, to I, me, it's like you got to kind of feel the person out. Some people do well with tough love; others don't. But you know, there there seems to be a lot of advising of tough love, and you know, even in my program in Al-Anon, there's you know, there's some tough love, and I'm not a person that does well with that. Well, no, neither am yeah. I. I mean, I, you know, I, I still don't do well with uh, with authority figures, even though at some points in time of my day, I, I am one at different, you know, all different aspects. But I, I, I have a hard time with seeing someone um, with, you know, I, I don't call it tough love. I, I just call it um, selfish behavior. You know, do what I say type yeah. stuff when somebody's just don't, don't question just do and someone's trying to figure that someone's trying to figure their way and there's somebody looking down their nose telling them what they need to do well guess what uh, you know you didn't do what i had to do and i didn't do what you had to do so don't tell this individual what they have to do just 
you know, be happy that they're there, welcome them, and tell them see you tomorrow. If they ask for advice, I, I, I always try to give a scenario versus this is what you need to do because what happens what happens is is that one if it works then the individual that gave the advice they 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 get a little bit higher on that individual's pedestal and then ultimately when the advice doesn't work it's that person's fault and that's no way to you know build any type of uh relationship with someone or build a build a, a relationship with the individuals that you're trying to find your your spiritual way with. Yeah, it's not the military. And you know, I've seen a lot of older former military and I know you're former military, but I've seen a lot of older former military guys that, you know, get into AA because, you know, they have a drinking problem and mm-hmm. they tend to act like drill sergeants with their <laughs> and with the people that come in, you know, in terrible shape, needing, you know, just some people just need love. Yeah. And you should be able to find that. Well, I also see a lot of people who, um, I'm just, just perfect scenario. When, when I first got clean, they, we had a, we had a, you know, an area and we had a, you know, every group had a GSR was group service Representative. Representative, yeah. And I went to an area meeting, and I was the individual that sat there for Saturday Night Live. And they said, you know, they they put something out on the table, and we would vote on it as the area with however many, 13 meetings, I think it was at the time. So there was 13 people, and uh, plus the area chair, so 14 people. And things would go around about how we want to, you know, do whatever it was that we were doing. And I saw people who would make a suggestion and they would go, okay, we're going to go with, with uh, Sally's suggestion. Everybody, yay. Everybody votes, yay. Okay, so Sally feels a little bit taller in her seat. The next month we come back, Sally has another suggestion and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, everybody, yay, nay, okay, Sally's suggestion wins. The third month she comes back, she's carrying a briefcase, and she thinks she's running the joint. <laughs> and I think that's oh, what happens, yeah. right? But I think that's what happens when people get time or longevity in meetings. They forget that they're not running the joint. Right. And, and I think the, it's human nature to do that, but that's when you start having problems. Right, right. And I struggle with that all the time. I always try to re- remind people, you know, um, that even after, even with 29 years clean, today's still a good day to get high. And people with like 17, 18 years look at me like, what's this cat saying? And that's the reality of it. If I forget where I come from and if I don't do what I'm supposed to do on a daily basis, guess what? Left to my own devices, I got myself in that door. Or I didn't get myself in that door. Somebody got me in that door, left to my own devices. I ended up in jails, institutions, and almost deaf. Yeah. So what, what do I think my thinking is going to turn back into? 
if I don't do what I need to do on a daily basis. And one of it isn't telling somebody else what to do. That's the major thing because that takes the focus off of me. Well, there's, you know, as we discussed last week, there is judgment, and judgment is hurtful and it's unfair. You know, we don't know what's in somebody else's head. We just don't. No, and we don't know what words what words we could put together to chase them out to never come back. Exactly. And you know, mm-hmm. you're there to share your experience, strength and hope. Right. And you know, if they're not getting that message, then there's something wrong. And you know what I, mean, I, I I don't want to I don't want to bash the anonymous programs. You know, obviously they're helping a lot of people. Oh yeah. But, you know, they yeah. may be hurting people too. Yeah, but you know the one thing is is that you know I the people that come in the door um, really need a little TLC because they were shunned or they've shunned themselves for so long that when they come in the door, I had a, a friend of ours who who bounced in and out and in and out and in and out, and I had uh, another guy that uh, used to bash him every time. You, you know, you had enough, you're done, mm-hmm. and we, and mm-hmm. we used to just we used to just say just just love him, man, welcome him in, let him sit down, let him let him take a load off for an hour. If he goes back out then maybe he heard something. Maybe a seed was planted that, that is growing this time. And ultimately, he has, you know, high double-figure um, sobriety now or clean time now. So apparently, loving him when he needed an hour break did more for him than telling him he was an idiot for going back out. Right, ridiculing him because yeah. he's got enough of that already. Yeah, God, he's doing it. He's doing enough of it to himself. And it's a, it's a very, uh, it's an intricate dance that we have to do. I think, and you know, the same um, with families because people come in and they're enabling. You know, the word that I hate, and you know, they get a lot of flack for it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, almost ridicule in in you know the family programs, and sometimes you. You know, enabling's not all bad. Um, no, 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 no. It, it, a do, lot of uh, you know, yeah. you have to do what you're comfortable doing. And I always tell people that. You know, if they if they're leaving a meeting feeling like, oh gosh, I've done everything wrong, I say, don't feel that way. You right. Know, your loved one is still alive, and maybe that's because of you. And you know something? The thing is, is that that individual who is saying, oh gosh, I did something wrong is because somebody told them they did something wrong right. within that meeting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I hate and, you know, it when that happens. Yeah. Well, that that's more commonplace than not. And you know what the, the bad thing is, is what it does is it allows people to stay out on the street um, sick and suffering because they don't want to, they, they feel bad enough about themselves. They don't need to face the crowd and have the crowd say it out loud. Um, you know, so, one thing that you know that that an active addict or an active alcoholic, the best thing that they can do for themselves is shut off that noise. I mean, granted, it's so tough because the noise is so loud in your head telling you that you're no good, and and which is really not true. That's just your disease lying to yourself, telling you that it wants you dead. 
And when you go inside and there's a person that doesn't really like themselves and they take it out on you, that's not on you. That's on them. And it's tough to be able to filter all that crap out, especially with a head full of guilt. Exactly. And, uh, you know, my daughter bounced in and out of these programs for years. And she told me that she feels that she was traumatized by it because, because she Very couldn't much so. stay clean. She couldn't stay sober. And she feels that it hurt her more than helped her. Which is, you know, it's, that's a sad commentary on what was going on in the meetings that she was going to. You know, the judgment, right. the, the ridicule, the, you know, you're not clean because you're using Suboxone. Yeah, all, all of that silly noise. And, that. You know, something that's, yeah. when they use the words to thine own self be true, that's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean spew your crap and hate on somebody else because, right. you know, you're still going to be miserable tomorrow. They may be dead. Right. You know, right. and, and that's, and, and, and that's, you know, that's the bottom line. feel like a bigger person, you know, you put somebody else down and it, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery yeah. slope. I can, I can tell you, you know, she told me that she probably would not be alive had it not been for me. And I was told over and over and over that I was an enabler. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, you know, I just did what I felt was right. And maybe sometimes it wasn't right, but I had to do what I was comfortable with. If she had died because I had thrown her out. I would never have been able to live with myself. Right. Well, right, wrong, right, wrong, or indifferent, whatever you did worked because she's a productive member of society now. So, you know, so not everyone, you know, like they say, the cookie cutter way of do, you know, or actually do what I say doesn't work in that environment. And I, I love to be able to remind people. You know, like the poor kid that walks in and he's four days in rehab or detox and he says, you know, um, hi, my name is X and I'm sober or whatever. And uh, somebody with 17 years jumps on him. It's like, dude, where are you at? And I don't want to like, like, I don't want to bash, you know, the recovery environment whatsoever. And or or shall I say the 12 step um, environment whatsoever. But I think that we just need to have an awareness of not only everything else that's going on in the world, but how we act in there and act accordingly because it's chaos out there. And they it don't really need is. to be re- they don't need to be reminded that they're not, they're not doing something right. Of course they're not doing something right. They ended up in a place where you are. And you ended up in a place where I am. And exactly what they're doing because you were that way once too. Right, exactly. And and people seem to forget that. We're going to take a break and we will be back shortly. Dial 866-472-5792. 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural, evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, we're back. So what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? You're going to be up there for Thanksgiving, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we got everybody coming. So we'll have everybody, everybody that's well, local, or yeah, everybody that's local. Possibly my son. He wants to come up from Florida. I don't know if he will or not. Yeah, the traffic will be horrific both ways. But he, he really not- wants to come, so I'm hoping. And then a nephew in California was considering coming too. I don't know if he'll make it or not. Oh, cool. Yeah, M's so, not going yeah, up? Huh? M's no, not going has, up? She has to work. She has to work on Friday. Cool. I think they're, she and her fiancé are coming up for Christmas because she has some time off then. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, we'll get, so we'll you'll, get you'll, have a, you'll have a full house. That'll be, that'll be cool. You'll have a full house. Oh, yeah. The only thing yeah, is, yeah, is, I've got a is, couple of brothers here and their wives and nephew. Mm-hmm. There's a nephew that lives here. And my other sister in law went out west to be with my brother, so she won't be here. But we'll have oh yeah, people. what are you? Yeah, doing? The, uh, I don't know. Probably eating a tree. Janelle's into this vegan <laughs> stuff now. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've got it. Some vegans, we've got some vegetarians. So yeah. we'll have an I mean, I, I get it though. You know what I mean? I get it. She wants to keep her babies, you know, healthy, and you know, she's definitely uh, great with with that. You know, like making sure 
they, you know, it's funny when you put candy on the counter and broccoli, and Amaya will grab the broccoli. It's that's that's not normal in my family anyway. Oh no, I, no, I would definitely not be grabbing broccoli. No, but I, I but, have I have a funny story about my niece. Um, she's got a little girl who's four or five, and it was her birthday, and my sister-in-law, her grandmother, wanted to buy her a Barbie. And my niece said, absolutely not. No Barbie. Because it would give her an unrealistic body image. Right. So I said, um, wait a minute. Didn't she have Barbies growing up? Oh, yeah. She had a lot of Barbies. Yeah. So I guess Barbie, Barbie's on the bad list now. Well, I mean, there's, there's, other, there's other things out there that I, I – I, and. I mean, I don't know if that is something that really subliminally or or even, you know, intentionally girls look at and say, you know, that there's something wrong. There's something wrong with my body because Barbie, her real her real waist size, if you look at it proportionately, is 13 inches. You know what I mean? You know, so I had, there's something I had wrong with one that. One Barbie, and I did not even think about that at all you know i wanted the wig barbie so i could change her hair and you had different clothes but yeah i didn't think about that it was just barbie yeah but i I guess we i guess we distort and destroy everything and that's why we're all eating trees now for thanksgiving yeah yeah, well they did find an acceptable doll i just thought it was kind of funny barbie's bad now yeah Uh, yeah my daughter had like 15 of them yeah, and, and I had a whole bag of them here from um, Janelle. I don't even know where they, I don't know, maybe they were brownies, I'm not sure. But I had a whole bag of them, and uh, ultimately, you know, the, the dogs kind of chewed them up and stuff like that. But yeah. um, they've been around forever, and it's almost like it's almost like we, we kind of distort a lot of things that we see today, which was acceptable 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, everyone wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. But now today you look at it and you go, well, you know, that you, you could find something wrong with that Cabbage Patch doll that would project the wrong image to a child. So, you know, on, on things like that, I think we kind of missed the mark. And I think also that attributes it to how we embrace, like, negative living today. And I don't want to say negative, but how we embrace a environment of, well, how, would, how would I say it? I don't want to say inebriation, but an environment of... of uh, our world is too easily too easily taken out of reality is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. you know if we're looking at if we're looking at Barbie dolls as a problem with a young girl, we're, we're really missing the mark because we're, we're, we're putting that into her head already at a young age saying that you know we don't want you to have that because that that gives you a distorted view while we're sitting here drinking beers around the fire. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I mean, granted, if 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 everyone at once could get on the phone and say what it is that we're saying, that's the only way that we could change it because everybody would go, Oh, yeah, no kidding. 
There are people out there that want to stay negative. There are people out there that want to stay hateful. But the majority of people would go, oh, yeah, what was I thinking? You, you, we project things onto others, like we're talking about in meetings. We project things onto others, expecting that they're going to conform to the way that we think. And everybody has their own ideas, really. Except we yeah. are taught to conform. And that's yeah, harder and they, for some people than others. Right. So we medicate. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of you guys do have problems with authority for whatever reason. And, you know, we're taught to conform. And if you can't conform, then you're going to get high. Yeah, if you can't conform, then you become, you know, you become the outcast. Right. And I think a lot of times drinking and drugging makes you feel more socially acceptable, whether you are or not. For a certain point. feel that way. Yeah, for a certain well, point. Yeah, and then, then you get to the point of no return. But, uh, you know, I'm sure at the very beginning, you know, the kid tries alcohol and, hey, I can talk to that girl. That, you know, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Afraid to talk yep. to. Yeah. I mean, I've even seen it. You know, if you go, uh, you know, if you go listen to a live band and people are dancing, it's first it's only the women, and as the night wears on and the noise level rises, the men come out too because they've had enough to drink that they're not <laughs> they're, they're not shy about it. Anymore. True. No, that's very true. It's very true. But you know, I think there's a lot of. Uh, that there's more awareness today with what the what alcohol can do than there was when I was than we were kids because you know our uncle or older cousin would laughingly give us a half a beer or something like that and we'd be stumbling stupid at eight years old. Um, right. I, well, I mean, maybe still maybe people still do that today, but. Not in my family, because we've destroyed my family with drugs and alcohol. Yeah, and not in mine either. But, you know, I'm sure it still happens, because people think it's funny and cute, and it's not. No, it's not, because because the damage that the damage that is done, you're not even aware of for many years to come. Right. But that kid got a taste of, hey, this makes me feel less. However, you know, yeah, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel, however, it didn't when before I started drinking it. Right, and that's you and, know that's scary and it's sad. But do you think do you think that cigarettes do that to you? Do they calm you down? Um, I think they help with anxiety. Yes, I don't know why. I don't know if it's something in them or if it's just, you know, having something to do with your hands. You know, yeah. something that diverts your attention. Hello, but how about, how about if you carried a toothbrush and, and you brushed your teeth when you wanted a cigarette? You'd have the cleanest mouth in the country <laughs> and and you would be doing something for that. So, it, so well, it has I am to one of those unusual people who can pick them up and put them down. You know, I don't have to have them every day. Until the point you do. No, I've never, I, you know, in over 50 years of doing it, no. No? No, off and on, yeah. So if I said right now, put them down until next Monday, you'd be cool with that? 
Yeah, if I wanted to. I, I there, was a little, there was a little silence there before you said, yeah. No. <laughs> no, it, it, you know, I go, without, I go for days without them, and then, you know, something will happen, and I feel the need, and I, you know, pick one up. It's okay. Huh. Yeah, you know, and, and people, people I, I guess that's like what they say, how, uh, you know, how binge drinkers and big binge users act. Could be. You know, I mean, yeah, at, at, at first, they Friday night, and then Friday, Saturday night, and then takes a long time to Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, and, you know, so. And then Monday, I you got to go to work, so you stop and yeah, think about it. Yeah, uh-huh. Plan what you're going to do on Friday. That was never me. It was, that was, you know what I mean? Like, that was never, never me. Once I once I started, I, I didn't stop, you know? And, uh, yeah, and, and some people are even like that with food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like opening up a bag of chips. You can't eat just one. Remember that commercial? Yeah. But you can't eat yeah. just one. Yeah, well, well, I might be like that with chips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I know I'm like that with jelly beans, so I have to buy the smallest bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and I could definitely be that way with French fries, but you know, some people literally just can't stop. And no, you know, no, exactly. And you know, there's got to be some underlying reason for that. But you know the you know the crazy thing is is they say that nicotine is uh, is almost the the chemical has the same, almost same chemical breakdown as heroin. There's just one little variant, and uh, it's like nitrogen or oxygen or something like that in a different place. And you can you can pick up cigarettes and put them back down, but you probably couldn't do that with heroin. Probably not. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of strange how our chemical makeup allows us to do certain things and you know like even with food you know some people some people get food obsessed and they're they're driving down the street eating a bunt cake while they're in traffic you know whereas others will go three or four days without even thinking of having a sweet right i would be the one with french fries driving down the street (laughs) you mean like pulling into mcdonald's and grabbing french fries and then yeah. riding home eating them. Yeah, no, I mean I, I've I've done that, and the only reason why I do it is because if I did it, if I got caught with them in the car with Chanel, I'd be in trouble. Oh yeah, you would so, be in big trouble. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it's all relative. I try, I try not to. Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm lying. If if there's candy, I'm going to eat it. I was going to say I try not to pollute my body as much as I used to, but I think I have a healthier awareness of yeah. what it is that I'm eating. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, we're not we're not going to we're not going to solve uh, all the world's problems when we ultimately have our own. This is true. And and with only one minute left, we really can't even solve our own. Well, we can try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, all it is is about awareness, and and if you if you're aware of what your surroundings are, and if you're aware of what will happen if you change just a little bit, then you're on the right road, and and that's why we're here. 
and you know, call 866-472-5792 if you have any questions. And with that, Ellen. With miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Stay blessed, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.